0: And we welcome you to worship here at First Baptist Clinton this morning. Glad to see you uh, here as we celebrate Jesus and what he has done in our lives and what he wants to do through our lives. Uh, If you are a guest this morning, thank you for choosing to worship with us. You'll find in your worship program a a little slip, a connection card. Uh, If you wouldn't mind just sharing the information with us, we'd be happy to receive it. Remind you, we are a praying people. And so on the back side, of that's a prayer request form, share your prayer requests with us uh, so that we can pray for one another. Um, if you, and so we worship through giving at the end of our worship time. And so if you'll just take this and drop it in the offering plate as you go out, uh, that will be wonderful. Uh, we'd be glad to receive uh, your information. Now this morning, when you go out, it's going to be confusing, okay? It's not enough that I confuse you before you go, but we're going to... So as you go this morning, um, and I'll give you instruction on this later, but there'll be a person receiving ballots. Uh, There'll be a a deacon with the open Bible receiving benevolence offering, because when we take the Lord's Supper, we take a benevolence offering. Benevolence offering is used for church members who may find themselves in in some kind of financial need, uh, and so we help each other this way, and then there'll be the regular offering plate. So, we'll try to, we'll try to spread them out so that we don't create a traffic jam at the door. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ today as we worship and if
1: <laughs> if Good <laughs> morning. Ladies, it's finally here. It's the week of the if um, Gathering this Friday and Saturday. With 30 different speakers, there yeah, will be some, one, something for everyone in every walk of life. So what if you are able to break down the walls that you've I held know. on to for years? What if you walk away finally seeing yourself as God you. sees you? And what if your impact becomes stronger than ever and you're able to bring even more people or to later. know Christ?
0: I would have worn a different shirt.
2: We are so grateful for many women in our congregation who have been busy um, volunteering, preparing to make this weekend an amazing weekend. Um, there's going to be, like Winnie said, 30 different speakers, food, fun, fellowship, and a time of feeding on God's truth. Um, we want to see all of you ladies come. Um, we're praying that God will remove obstacles um, so that you can be here Friday night and Saturday. If you can't be here for all of the sessions, come for what you can. Um, We just don't want you to miss out. See us in the lobby if you're having issues, maybe getting signed up online. Um, We just want you to come and be a part of this with us. So thank you all. All right, let's all stand together and belt out this worship.
3: Seated if you'd like. My name is Howard. I am Deacon of the Week. My cell phone is up on the board. If this week, if you have a need, have a prayer request, need somebody to speak with, feel free to give me a call or text me, and I'll be happy to visit with you or help in any way that's possible. Last Sunday, we had the opportunity to listen to CR and hear many of the testimonies, and I uh, appreciate those testimonies, but really, I, I appreciate the courage to share those stories. And it kind of got me thinking that we all need to be ready to share our story. Um, The deacons have been reading a book, and the book is called Share Jesus Without Fear. And in this book, it talks about the fact that the average person needs to hear the gospel message 7.6 times before they receive Christ as their Savior. We can't all be number one. We can't all be number 7.6 Some of us need to be number three, some of us need to be number four, some of us need to be number seven. But really the point of that whole thing is, is that there's a challenge there. And this challenge really got me thinking from last week when they were, when testimonies, I want to encourage each one of you this afternoon or this week to take a few minutes and write your story, write your testimony. Stand in front of a mirror and tell that testimony a time or two and then, Understand that there are no coincidences. Understand that God puts people into our lives daily. Some of these people he puts there for just a moment. Some people he puts there for weeks and months. The whole point of this is, is that we need to be ready at whatever moment God puts those people in our lives to share our story. 7.6 times. What number are you going to be? If you would pray with me. Father God, we come to you this morning, we thank you for all you do for us. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who gave his life on the cross. We thank you, Father, for your love and your grace and your mercy. We pray this morning, Father, that you would be with Pastor Randy as he brings a message, Bring with those, be with those on the stage as they help to lead us in the praise. And we thank you, Father, for this example, this symbol this morning, this baptism that's about to take place. We thank you for this life and the lives that have impacted her life as well. Just pray, Father, that as we leave here today, that you would guide and direct us and help us today and tomorrow to be better examples for you than we were yesterday. In Christ's name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Howard. And thanks for the encouragement to write your story and share your story. It's really, really important because Jesus said that's who we are. We are witnesses. And our our first and foremost witness is the witness of faith in Jesus Christ. And this morning, uh, Danica... DeVasher gives her witness of faith in Jesus Christ through her baptism this morning. So, Danica, come on in into the water here. All right, yeah. So, look right out here at this crowd, all these people. So, if you're here this morning, support and encouragement for Danica, just go ahead and just stand up for a moment so she can see, see her fans in the crowd, right? Okay, so there they are. Thank you all to be seated. Danica, what confession brings you to these waters? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, that's right. So, yeah. Danica, based on your confession that Jesus is Lord, and by the authority of the church and in the name of Jesus, we baptize you as our sister in Christ. Amen. Amen. Be buried with Christ and raised to walk a brand new life in Jesus. Amen. Yay, God. Yay, God.
2: Amen. Well, you may remember during the Christmas season, during Advent, we learned a new hymn. We're going to sing it this morning Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. The mystery not only of the birth of Jesus, but the mystery of the crucifixion, resurrection, This morning as we prepare our hearts for uh, the Lord's Supper, let's just ponder what a great thing God has done. all stand together read our gospel reading this is from mark or luke chapter 9 about eight days after jesus said this he took peter and john and james with him and went up onto a mountain to pray as he was praying the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning two men moses and elijah appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory in the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that jesus was alone the disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen luke 9:28 through 36 amen you may be seated
1: Well wow. Wow.
0: story of the transfiguration I don't know if you caught it or not, but the glory of God rested upon them and they they were engulfed in this cloud and they heard the voice this is my this is my beloved son and we this morning have already uh, seen the power of Jesus through the symbol of baptism where where we profess our faith in Jesus and then we are buried with him and then we are raised to walk in a brand new life. And Jesus, Jesus would send his disciples and as Luke tells the story for them to go into town and prepare things and get ready for the the Passover. And when the hour came, Luke records, Jesus and his apostles were reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourself. This is where I pause to say to make sure that you have your cup. All right. Because that's what Jesus was doing. There's a common picture of it. Uh, and uh, just make sure you have it. We're, we'll start with the bread because that's where Jesus starts with the bread. But are just making sure that everybody's going have to their, have their cup in hand. Divide this among you, he said. And then... Um, and, then he, and then he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it. So, if I can get my bread out here. So the bread is the symbol of his body, which was given for us. There's power in the language. His body was given for us. It was not taken from Him. It was freely given. He laid down His life for you and for me. And today, we share together the symbol of His laying down His life as we take the bread together. Luke says, in the same way, after the supper he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So they they got their cups. And Jesus reminded them what was about to happen in his life. And that he was going to shed his blood. And with the shedding of blood, he would establish a new covenant with them. It would be a covenant of eternity, an eternal covenant. Because it is established by the blood of Jesus Christ. And today we give thanks for the shed blood of Jesus. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And partaking this blood or... Or participating in a baptism does not take away our sin, but, is, is, but they are the symbol of what Jesus has done for us. Let us rejoice in his offering of his life for us as we take the cup together. Amen. Amen.
2: Let's all stand together. Read our Psalm reading aloud together. This is Psalm 99. The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty, he loves justice. You have established equity. In Jacob, you have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. They kept his statutes and the decrees he gave them lord our god you answered them you were to israel a forgiving god though you punished their misdeeds exalt the lord our god and worship at his holy mountain for the lord our god is holy psalm 99 Our Savior Savior is slain on us.
0: So as we as we take the Lord's Supper together, we, we are proclaiming the truth of the song we just sang. Until you know He gives us new life and He gave us the promise He's coming again. Because He is alive, we are alive now and will be alive forevermore if we have placed our lives in His hands. And so this morning we are we are uh, taking a ballot so if you'll just take your ballot out of your um, uh, worship program this is a ballot for the member at large on the pastor search committee and um, and so what i want you to do is uh, i'm going to pray in just a moment and you don't necessarily have to mark it right now but this is just giving you the instructions. So there's a little circle out beside each person's picture. That's the place you make your mark. So uh, when you mark your ballot, just make sure you're, only, you're mark, voting for one person. So only mark one. And then at the end of worship, um, then you'll, you'll hand these ballots in. So the balloting is for members only. Well, I'll just trust you this morning to know your membership status. Ballots, voting for members only, and uh, we'll have we'll have a couple of guys right at the front of the sound booth, and you'll just hand it to them as you go out. Please don't fold it; just leave it laying flat. You know we're. We have no secrets around here, right? So it just, just hand them in. It saves the personnel committee a whole lot of work if they don't have to unfold these after a while. All right? So uh, does anyone need a ballot? Okay, so some of you, the ballots are in your worship program, but if you're sharing a worship program, you might not have one. So we have guys with ballots in hand all the way up to the front. Lois needs one. Uh, Eric? It's, uh, <laughs> the, uh, all right So this morning as we were as we were driving to church this morning Terry asked me this question she said she asked uh, should I take the Lord's Supper at both services and I said Lord's Supper is a Lord's Supper is a part of worship yes if you're in both services, take the Lord's supper, but if you're in both services, please don't ballot twice. <laughs> <laughs> I told her you can take the Lord's supper twice, but you can't vote twice. All right. So, uh, well, we're continuing. We're continuing to look at First uh, Corinthians, and in chapters one through four, Paul has been teaching us about the unity of the body of Christ and the church in Corinth was in trouble because they had a they were looking at leaders wrongly and because they were looking at leaders wrongly they were creating division in the in the life of the church and Paul's principle in chapters 1 through 4 is basically this Members of the church, brothers and sisters, he will say, do not do anything which disrupts the unity of the body of Christ. And so a high premium is placed upon unity of the church. Jesus in his, in his prayer in John chapter 17, when he prayed for those of us who come after the work of the disciples, who centuries later have heard the story, and we've become a part of the story. We are in the church. The thing Jesus prayed for was for us to be one. In the same way, the Father and the Son are one. You know, that's an eternal binding together. And so, he calls us to this incredibly unique kind of relationship, and we call it the church. And so this morning, I want to pick up chapter four, um, as as we as we go ahead. Um, and in chapter four, Paul uses a two tone approach with the Corinthians. He uses the tone of a father speaking gently to his wayward children. You know, through this through this letter, you you capture the. The heart of a missionary pastor. And he is, he is out, of the, out of the depths of his love for them. He'd spent 18 months with them as he planted the church, and out of his love for them, he is just pleading with them as if they are the wayward children to, to come back. The other tone he uses is a tone of irony and sarcasm so that they get the point um, from time to time. And and so it goes something like this. Paul is the spiritual weakling, but they are the spiritual power lifters. You know he's dealing with irony when he says that, right? In chapter 4, Paul gives us five ways to look at leaders. I'm going to go through these really fast. So just... Just be, be ready, I'll read some of the passages as we go, but just turn to chapter four, and, and I'll try to let you know where I am as I go through. But he gives us these five ways to look at leaders. He opens it up with saying, this then is how you ought to regard us. And so these are leader attitudes, which Paul admonishes the church to possess. Um, the first, when you look at leaders, see service before status. First 2, he tells us that ministry is a, is a trust. And, and we'll come back to the second part of that in just a moment. But ministry is a trust. It's, it has been given to him. Paul was Saul. He was on the road to Damascus to persecute the church, when God intervened in his life, and transformed his life, and later would name change his name from Saul to Paul, and assign him the responsibility of bringing the good news of the gospel to the Gentile world, and as he, as he, uh, and, and so Paul understands that that ministry is a trust is something that's been given to him and that and that as he stands before the master that it's it's the master of the servant who judges the servant his accountability was to Christ and in verse 4 he says and it is the lord who judges me so he's saying to them I don't judge me you are doing a pretty good job of judging me but it's not but it doesn't matter what matters is my accountability before the Lord. It is the Lord who judges me. So when you look at leaders, see service before status. See, that was the problem in Corinth. <laughs> they were ignoring service and, you know, it was all about status. And they were placing leaders wrongly on a pedestal. When you look at leaders, see Faithfulness as the measure. Paul said in verse two, after he said that that ministry is a trust, he says, now it is required that those who've been given a trust must prove faithful. You see, the bottom line for all of us is faithfulness. Faithfulness is the measure for your life and for my life. Because what we know from studying Paul is we are all ministers. We are all leaders. He's speaking to the church at Corinth, but he's also speaking to you and me, each and every one of us. He's not just speaking to the preachers in the crowd. How many preachers in the crowd are there? Am I the only one? He's speaking to every one of us. And faithfulness is the measure. Faithfulness is the measure. So when you when you look at leaders, see faithfulness as the measure. Um, when you look at leaders, Paul says, uh, "Have this attitude of avoiding premature judgment." He scolds them pretty soundly here, by the way, because. Because they are assuming the responsibility of the master. It is the, it's the master of the servant who has the responsibility for judgment. And Paul says, I don't judge myself. And there's a time coming, however, when we all stand before Jesus and every one of us and our works will be judged. But when you, when you see leaders... Avoid premature judgment. And when you look at leaders, see them through the lens of humility. Now, when you listen to Paul, you might say, I don't see a whole lot of humility in this passage. When he says to me, uh, when he says to us, you know, I have a clear conscience on this matter about self judgment. I'm not innocent, see it's the but I'm not innocent that reflects some of his humility. But listen, listen for his humility in, uh, in the irony of what he's about to tell us. Uh, verse 8, already you have all you want, already you have become rich. You have begun to reign, and that without us, how I wish that you really had begun to reign, so that we also might reign with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession. Jesus does a lot of the last shall be first language, remember? The first, if you want to be first, line up at the end of the line. Like those that put on a procession, like those um, who are condemned to die in the arena, the imagery is of, of, of captured people who are being brought into the arena to be slaughtered. And, the, and so he says, you know, God's lining us up like these folks. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to humans. We are fools for Christ, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored. We are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world right up to this moment. Paul said he, 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 he knows his place. He knows His standing before God. He knows he is a servant of the Lord God, the Lord Most High. But yet he will say to them in in verse 16, uh, he he, he says, for this reason, or verse, verse 16, Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Now, you just saw this list of things that he's described himself, right? I urge that you imitate me. And for this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach teach everywhere in the church. Paul comes to them with great humility, a trait that the Corinthians did not possess. But when you see leaders, see them through the lens of humility, Paul says. And when you see leaders, see them through the lens of grace. Um... Paul, in verse 7, Paul says, he, he asks them these questions. Who makes you different from anyone else? What, have, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as if you're not? See, what Paul wants to know from them, what makes you superior? What gives you the right to judge? You see, he brings it right back to them and asks them this probing question, this probing question, what gives you the right to judge the leaders? What do you have which you did not receive by grace? What is there in your life that has come into your life that did not come by the grace of God? Um, everything we are is the result of the undeserved grace of God and Paul with his last question he says "If, if, if you did receive it if you received this grace why are you boasting as if you earned it you see none of us earn grace he extends his grace to us because that's who he is is his nature to be gracious toward us and so as paul writes with a tone of encouragement and exasperation i remind you the principle in chapters one through four is do not do anything internally, within the body of Christ, which disrupts the unity of the church. Listen to Paul. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you might learn the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one who is over and against us. This is verse 6. If you live, you and I, if we live within the boundaries of scriptures, we will not boast in men. Paul could not be clearer than in chapter 3, verse 21. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. It's as if in chapter 4, Paul's already said this several times as we've gone back. He says, Church, how long will it take you to get this? The church is about Jesus. It's not about who your leader is. The church is about Jesus. It's not about some human domain. Life, church life, is life in the kingdom of God. Verse 20, Paul says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Go back, go back to verse 1. As servants of Christ and those entrusted with the mystery of, mysteries of God has revealed. No longer is it a mystery. The good news is, is that God has the power to change your life now and forever. Paul very rarely ever uses this term, the kingdom of God, in, in his letters. And so when all of a sudden a phrase he does not use shows up, it says, Oh, Randy, pay attention. Look here. Look here. And what Paul, Paul wants them to know and us to know, that's not about him. Or them, or me, or us. It's about Jesus, and he takes us back to the mysteries revealed, and, and, and the mysteries revealed in the power of God. Go back to verse one, chapter 1, verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In verses 22 and 24, again, chapter 1, Jews demand signs, Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So, for those of us in the room this morning who are believers, let me just sum up what Paul has said in these first four chapters. Let's grow up. Let's focus on Jesus. Quit griping and bragging about leaders, you see, because it's really all about Jesus. It's his turn. It's not yours, mine, or ours. It's his. And when we understand it's his church, he can do so much more with us. If, if you're here this morning and you're not yet a believer, and you've been following along with this Corinthian study, and more, with more to come, um, la- you you already recognize if you've been if you've just been reading the gospel passages that we've read in our worship life with Jesus is messy it's not easy it's challenging it's hard um it it is it's messy because he keeps pushing me to become more of what I cannot be without him it is messy because he 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 causes me to look at myself and others at ways I do not want to. It's messy because walking with Jesus is the hardest, most rewarding thing you will ever do. And life in the church is even messier because there's somebody sitting next to you. That Jesus says you have to love. Okay? It's even messier than that, because there's somebody who's not sitting next to you, who is your enemy, and Jesus says you have to love him or her. See Of course, your enemy might be sitting next to you, who knows? But you do have to love them. It's messy. But it is the best possible life you can live now, and a life that lasts forever. So I invite you, if you're not yet a believer, to explore Jesus. I invite you to this wonderfully messy life. Because it sure beats the dead life you're living now. I read the Gospel of John this week, and all through the Gospel of John, there are this, there's this imagery of us being dead in our sins. And he brings us to life. And this morning, that's his desire for you. If you're not yet a believer, receive from him the gift of life and come into his kingdom. We stand together to sing. And as we sing this morning, we want you to... Um, uh, you know, if you're not yet a, a believer, you know, it's, it's recognizing, Lord, I need you. I, I, there's not anything I can do to earn or deserve salvation. I need you. If you're a believer, it's recognizing, Lord, I need you. I need you every moment of my life. And today, we would invite you, if you're not yet a believer, come and confess Jesus as Lord. If you're looking for a church home, come and join with us in this mess it's a, it's a great place to be involved. We exist to fulfill the great commission by loving people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Come and join us in the mission and let's, as we grow together in Christ. So you come while we sing.